It's a cold, rainy night in Texas. Perfect night for telling stories. I've got myself a cup of hot chocolate. The good stuff. Made with whole milk. Hershey's dark chocolate. Sugar. Marshmallows. Whipped cream. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I hope you've got something too. Maybe hot chocolate, maybe coffee or tea, a glass of wine, a cold beer, whatever you like to have when you relax and sit back and have a chat. This is Marty on the main. Let's talk. On this cold, rainy night, I'm going to talk about a really pleasant summer day. It was July. I was nine years old. I came out of the house and let the screen door slam behind me. The sun was dancing in the leaves on the trees. The grass still had a little green in it. It hadn't turned that brassy straw color that it would be by mid-July. I stopped at the end of our yard and looked both ways. That's a habit when you're a little kid. At least when we were, people drummed it into our heads to look before crossing the street. Even though our little Reed Street wasn't much traveled, it was a habit. Seeing nothing, I crossed the little blacktop street and took a left. Our neighborhood was a line of small homes, mostly older and retired people, but a few kids and young families. These small homes with their tiny plots of land represented the life's work of the elderly people in our neighborhood. I started down the street. I was headed for the end of the road Oh, about three blocks away, it would make a split, turn into a Y, and go two different directions. But right before I got there, there was a house on the right side. An older couple lived there, and they had a Coke machine on their front porch. It was how they made extra money. People in the neighborhood and people passing by knew about the machine, and they would stop there and buy a Coke. I think that's illegal now, but it wasn't back then. Anyway, it was a pretty day I had on my shorts and my flip-flops, and I was walking up the street. It was perfectly safe. We knew everybody, and everybody knew us. 
on the way, there was a field on the right-hand side. I wondered why I hadn't paid attention to it before. It was a big, empty field. No trees, no bushes. It went back at least three blocks. And it was pretty wide. Surely wide enough for a baseball or a kickball game. And I wondered why we had never played in it. Because it was much better than the field next to our house, which had a lot of trees and a pond. And while the field was fun for us to play in, it wasn't really good for a game because the trees and the pond interrupted that. So I thought, well, we're going to take advantage of this field. And I intended to rectify the fact that we hadn't ASAP. Then I saw a man standing in the field. He wasn't that far from me. Maybe 20 feet back from the road that I was walking down. He was an older gentleman. He reminded me of my grandfather, though probably that's only because he was wearing overalls. And my grandfather always wore overalls. He saw me, and he waved, and he said, how are you today? And I answered, fine. And he said, it's nice weather we've been having, isn't it? At that point, a bird flew past me, really close to my head, startling me. I jumped, and I turned back toward him because my mother had always taught us to look at grown people when they're talking to you. But he was gone. Gone. I stood there looking from one end of the field to the other, but there was nobody in it. There was no place he could have went. There were no shrubs. There were no trees. It was just grass. Standing there looking at that empty field, I knew I had seen a ghost. That didn't scare me so much because even though I was young, I had had experiences with ghosts. And when there's nothing you can do about a thing, just kind of let it go. So I turned and I kept walking. I walked down to the old couple's house. I got myself a Coke and I turned around and I headed back home. And for years I would tell people about the ghost I had seen on the way to the coke machine. But what they didn't know was there was something I didn't tell anybody. Not for a very 
very long time. Because on the way home, there was no field. I stopped where the field had been. And I realized there could never have been a field there. All the way down the road, I could see the little houses lined up in a row that marked our neighborhood. There was an old couple that attended the Baptist church on the next block over. There was the house of two kids we played with sometimes. There was a corner and a washeteria. And the street that the next to the washeteria was a cross street that dead ended on our street. And across from that, Latonya's house. And houses all the way down. There was no field. So where had the field gone? What happened to it? And what happened to the washeteria and the houses when the field was there? I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And that was the reason I never told anyone about it. Because I could understand ghosts. I didn't like it. But there was a reference point for it. My grandmother believed in ghosts. My mother believed in ghosts. Even the kids at school who said they did not believe liked a good ghost story. So yeah, you could talk about ghosts disappearing. But land? Land didn't disappear. Land was supposed to be solid. Land was supposed to be there. It wasn't supposed to move. It wasn't supposed to change. It was constant. But this wasn't constant. So what happened? I had no idea. And I wouldn't have any idea for a long time. And I started to think about it. And I began to wonder, what if time isn't what we've always been told it is? And now I'm going to tell you another story that kind of got me wondering about time. And land. Years later, I was working in Houston, Texas.
at the Hyatt Regency Hotel. Houston had gotten one of its rare ice storms that year. And at the hotel, management was running around asking all the employees to stay over in the hotel. They said because of the ice, the roads were slick and it was too dangerous for us to try to drive home. And besides that, if we spent the night in the hotel, we wouldn't have to worry about coming to work tomorrow because we'd already be at work. And I really didn't want to spend the night in the hotel, but the more they pushed it, the more I thought about it, and I thought, well, it might be kind of fun hanging out at the hotel with my friends that I worked with for one night. Okay. But as happens sometimes, because of the bad weather, the airports began to cancel flights. And as the hotel began to fill up with paying customers, it suddenly became clear for employees to drive home. Oh, it was safe now. some reason that night, I don't remember why, but I didn't have my car. So one of the bartenders was going to take me home, and there were a bunch of people who needed a ride, so we all piled in together. The car could hold five people with one person on the hump in the back, and we had squeezed in about seven. <laughs> Well, we were having a good time, and as it turned out, the streets weren't that bad. So we were riding around Houston, dropping people off, and we had dropped about three people off, so there were four of us in the car, and we were headed down West Belford, where my apartments are. And they were going to drop me off there and continue on. So as we're coming down West Belford, we hit a bank of fog. All of a sudden, the air around us was white and you couldn't see anything. The driver started clicking the lights off and on, trying to see if he could see better with the headlights on bright or dim didn't really make any difference you couldn't see anything anyway so he hit the brakes and we were moving at a snail's pace you could barely see one white line in front of the car so as we're crawling along in this fog one person mentioned how odd it was because we had been halfway around Houston dropping people off, and there hadn't been any fog anywhere. And this one little spot, there was fog. 
And over on the right hand side, there was a little house. There was a door in the center, and there was a window on each side of the door. And in both windows, there were coal oil lamps. Now the house seemed to be sitting down like it was in a ditch or the low land had lowered there at that spot. And there were katydids and swamp grass around. Now Houston was built on a swamp. That's why it floods easily. But I had never seen any katydids and swamp grass on West Belford. And as we passed by this little house, all of us stared at it. We couldn't see anything else. There was that little house and fog. And we came out of the fog as we passed the house. And it was bright, clear night again. Cold, but clear. And someone said, that was weird. That fog and just that little house in it. And I was thinking, it was weirder than you think. Because there is no house there. I knew West Belford. I lived on West Belford. There were no houses on West Belford. There were department stores. There were apartment complexes. There were few restaurants. No homes. Not in this area. Not near my apartments. I knew there weren't, but I didn't say anything because I was in a car full of guys and I knew if I said something, they would want to go back and look at that house and I did not want to go back. Now, I could have told them and I could have said, if you want to go back, fine, but let me out. But I didn't want to do that either because I thought, what if they don't come back? And what would I tell the police if they didn't? I mean, I didn't think the police were going to think that I had overpowered three guys. At the time, I weighed maybe 115 pounds. But I also didn't want my name coming up in a missing persons investigation either. So I kept my mouth shut. And they dropped me off at home and went on about their business. And the next day on my way to work, I cruised slowly past that little spot. 
and it was just like I thought. There was no house. I knew there wouldn't be. So, once again, land, a place, changed. And there was something else that was in a spot where it shouldn't have been. So now I'm asking you, what do you think time is? Here's my theory. That little house seemed to be a house that would have been there or might have been there back in the 20s or 30s, but not in our time. So maybe time isn't just linear. Maybe it has height and depth and width. What if time is like thin pieces of fabric stretched out on a stretcher with only millimeters between And every now and then, they touch. And when they touch, it's like being able to see the pattern of one piece of fabric through another. And when they pull apart, most of the time, Everything goes back to its rightful place, but not always. Sometimes, maybe you can get stuck on the wrong side. Now, the Bible says all time is now. And I thought that that meant that now... It's the only time you can work with. It's the only place that you can do anything from. It's the only time you can make a change in direction or attitude or make any kind of adjustment at all. The past is behind you. The future hasn't come. So now is your place of action. Well, what if it's more than that? What if it's when it says all time is now? What if all time is actually going on right now? What if the 1840s are in just another piece of fabric on the stretcher? What if you could die now and be born again in 1760. And each timeline 
and change events. Something to think about. I'd like to hear your thoughts. You can get in contact with me at Morty on the Main, gmail.com. It's been nice talking to you. Have a good night. Bye-bye.